guys, we got September gems. What a show it's going to be. Uh, I think we're ready to kick it off, shall we? Excellent. Then let us begin in five, four, three, two, one. Make uh, the September gems happen in now. Oh, yeah, what's going on, everybody? It's Game That Tune Gems, and we're back in the house once again. It's your boy John Harrington here. I've got David Fleming with me. Say hey. Hey. And back from vacation, or yet to take a vacation, depending on when we're recording this or uh, editing it. Again, you know, which is worse, sitting on the recording and not editing it, or waiting for, uh, you know, waiting entirely too long and recording it super late. Yeah, we got John Regan with us. Say hey. Hey, I'm either about to be insulted by a bunch of English people, or I've just been insulted by a bunch of exactly. English people. I'm back and feeling very self-conscious from my savaging by the English. <laughs> uh, good to have you back, Johnny. Um, yeah. Or good to you know send you off, Johnny. Whichever it is, it's September Gems, guys. Uh, game that tune, Gems, where we play uh, you know games uh, and their music from. 30, 20, and 10 years ago, so we've got September's 1993, 2003, and 2013. Fantastic, uh, you know, years, months, all of them. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be a good show. And, uh, man, there's uh, there's nothing more that needs to be said to get the introduction done. You know, Johnny's got a flight to catch either to or from this recording, so let's just jump back in time to September of 1993. All right, so, um, man, September 93, big-time segment, big-time releases, uh, entirely too many releases, actually. You know, last month, I tried to make a point to go out of my way to acknowledge the games that weren't going to be featured on the show. So I want to do that once again up front. I want to do a little rundown, uh, make sure I didn't forget anybody's favorite game here. So uh, before we get into the games that we actually featured, let's do the honorable mentions. David, Battleship on the NES, did you play it? God, no. You know why? Because it's a battleship game on the NES. Why on earth would you buy that board game for the NES? <laughs> like, it barely needs to was be there a, a, barely needs to be a board game. <laughs> was there at least a two-player mode? Yes. Like, was it specifically single-player battleship? Well, actually, you know, that's a good question. I assume it has to be two-player, but it doesn't, it would be like, all right, yeah, now one player, don't look. <laughs> like, it just doesn't <laughs> seem like it would work. So, uh, moving on to something maybe more in your wheelhouse. Bram Stoker's Dracula, the movie tie-in game for the NES. The Keanu Reeves Dracula. <laughs> mm, you know, the movie is great. The NES game I haven't played, mm. but I'm confident in saying it's not good. Yeah. Okay, Johnny, Genesis time. Uh, Chuck Rock 2, Son of Chuck. No, I, no, I have no idea what that That's is. Fine. Terminator 2, the arcade game for the Game Gear. I also have no idea what that is. What's the Terminator? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, bombs over Baghdad for the Sega Genesis. B.O.B. That That's not real. No, it's... Uh, sorry, it's B.O.B. It's actually... It's like a robot. <laughs> like a robot platforming game starring a, a robot that looks like a bug of some kind. Oh, okay. No, I've, I have not played that, but I have played the Outcast game on Genesis. Oh, that God. one I did do. It was way ahead of the game. You know, that Southern playlist of Cadillac music on Genesis. It was it was good. Not many people remember that one. Um, an arcade game that, honestly, I didn't anticipate Johnny being here for this recording, but it also never came out in America. Sega Sonic the Hedgehog. God, I want to play it so bad. Yeah. It doesn't even look good, but I really want to play it. Exactly. Just for posterity's sake, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, David, a, a Super Scope game, Yoshi's Safari on the SNES. 
You know, um, that game, from what I can tell, wasn't bad. It was just weird. It's a Mario first-person shooter. I was going to say, the best Mario first-person shooter. <laughs> um, simultaneously, the worst Mario first-person shooter. But yeah, so those are the games that didn't make the cut. So that means the stuff that made the cut must be solid gold, must be all gems, baby. And so we're starting off with one that I'm confident all of us have played. And actually, suddenly I say that, and now I realize, I don't know, maybe Johnny fucking missed out on this. A Genesis game from the uh, the company called Treasure. It's time, guys, to uh, do a little running and gunning with Gunstar Heroes. Oh, God. I, Holy shit. Yeah. I play that game for like five minutes. I, I die, like, <laughs> I definitely ran it at once and just constantly died. <laughs> like, it is hard. Yes, but fun. It's That's so good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, But like... In 1992, I wasn't ready for it. I might be ready for it now, right? But I definitely was not ready in the in the 90s. Yeah. So, David, uh, I take it you and I both experienced this the same way on the Wii Virtual Console, mainly. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, this game's the shit, man. <laughs> well, actually, I think I might have first played this game through Gunstar Heroes Advance. Ah, Gunstar Superheroes on the Game Boy Advance. Mm. Yeah. Um. But regardless, this game is fucking amazing. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot. It's you know, it's kind of fun. It's a really good running gun shooting game. You know, getting a uh, big time weapons. Is it? Can you combine the little weapon orbs, or do you have to collect the same one in order to like charge up that one weapon? I can't quite remember. I feel like you can combine them. Because I, I definitely remember you getting, like, a laser power-up, but if you get something else, you can get, like, a homing laser power-up. Mm, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, God, I there's so much I want to say about this game, and also I don't know where to begin. Yeah. Like, the game's just incredible. I literally, when I played the game, didn't know where to begin. They, like, let you select a level, and I don't know what any of this shit means. So it's always just like, I, I don't know what you're supposed to do here, but I'm just going to jump in and... Blast some shit, and then it turns out it's like, hey, I started off with the one where, like, you fight six bosses in a row. It's like, oh, shit, what am I doing? (laughs) uh, Now, was it six bosses in a row, or was it just the boss, that one boss that has seven different forms? I think that's what it was. Yeah, the seven force or whatever. (laughs) It's uh, a baffling ordeal of a boss. Um, But yeah, uh, you know, really fun game. Great with two players. Uh, You know, I do like... You know, I didn't play, I guess, a lot of running gun games in, like, between this and, like, say, back in, like, Contra days, Contra 3, Alien Wars. Uh, I feel like this one, it added in the, uh, like, a melee attack, which really uh, helped me out. Because, like, you're getting overwhelmed by guys, you're shooting in eight directions, and sometimes you just got to run up on a dude and throw him and kill him. And I feel like that was one of the first times that, uh, you know, I, uh, I remember enjoying that and using that a lot in a game. Uh, just a really cool game. Um, a lot of fun. Soundtrack, pretty good. Uh, it's got a, uh, got a Kazuo Hanzawa soundtrack. I'm sure that's not how you say his name. I don't know why I struggled with that one. But, uh, pretty sure that's the same guy that does, like, the, uh, like, the Simpsons arcade game and, um, other, uh, later treasure games. Uh, sometimes a very good composer, sometimes a very, uh, off-putting sound that this man comes up with. So let's hear it. Two fantastic songs from Gunstar Heroes and composer Kazuo Hanzawa. We've got Military on Max Power and we've got the theme of Seven Force. I'm pretty sure, again, that's the boss that has seven forms that you really shouldn't start the game off with, which uh, you know, I wish I could go back in time and tell myself that. So...
that soundtrack, much like the game it's from, is a lot. <laughs> so that's, that's a lot of fucking soundtrack right there, man. It's uh, it, it really sets the mood. You know, frantic, uh, frenzy. Very good, very fun. Um, so let's move on. Let's move to. Uh, I think we got the arcade coming up. You know, we're kind of bopping around here uh, just between different systems this month. I didn't do like a very you know themed uh, order of anything, but uh, it's September of 1993. Spooky season's right around the corner. Maybe it's time for a little uh, little spooky arcade game action. One that I definitely was anticipating Jesse being uh, here to talk about, but um, maybe you guys played this one since I think we featured it on the show at some point. Uh, what do you know about a little arcade game called Night Slashers? Oh, is this the weird beat 'em up? Yeah, it's Data East beat 'em up. Um, yes. It's uh, so. Um, I'm sorry, John. Go ahead. No, please. If you have something to say, please. <laughs> no, this was a game that Jesse brought onto the show, um, and as soon as he mentioned, like, oh yeah, it's this like throwback kind of beat 'em up game. Uh, it's available on Switch. Like that piqued my interest. Um, so I definitely downloaded and played this. Um, this game is weird and fun because you can play as like just a normal like American dude and then you play as like a vampire hunter or you can play as some weird like martial artists and like, yeah, you're just going around. It's basically like Final Fight with vampires. Like, it's actually pretty fucking cool. I'm cool with that. I like you say normal American dude, even though I'm pretty sure that he's got uh, like cybernetic arms, and he is uh, listed as a psychic cyborg in the game. So, uh, yeah, as every normal American citizen, yeah, your bar is. for normal yeah. American is set at the exact right level. <laughs> That's what my job aptitude test said I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I just mean he's like the Cody, the Axel. Like he's just kind of the baseline character. He just happens to punch vampires with robot arms. Right. I like that the de- developers of this game are like. I mean, we need, like, just a blonde American guy, but, like, does he really just need to have, like, a white t-shirt and a pair of jeans? No, we should kind of, j- j- you know, zhuzh him up a little bit. Give him some some robot arms and a psychic power or something. Like, don't, can't just be a guy. Like, can't just be just some monster hunter on his day off. He needs to have cybernetic arms. Come on, attitude. Uh, you know, martial arts. Fucking, you know, mystic arts, anything. Fucking, I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, it's a vampire beat-em-up, huh? That's pretty fucking cool um well i mean i i say vampire beat him up because that's that's the thing i remember because one of the bosses is for legal purposes not but it's fucking dracula yes but you also fight like a mummy a mad scientist like a frankenstein monster like wait yeah, wait a this second. game is very up my alley <laughs> in 1993 was dracula still under copyright were, were there legal issues with including dracula and anything yeah, that bram stoker estate they were coming for you <laughs> I I mean, I'm sure at that point, Dracula was in the public domain because Marvel was publishing Tomb of Dracula since the 70s. But the point is, yeah, you're just fucking up a bunch of classic monsters as a dude with robot arms. Yeah, it's good. It's the things that we want to do in video games. Uh, Yeah, smart move. Take take Final Fight, which is already cool, where you're just playing as big strongos and walking around beating dudes up and make all the dudes that you're beating up vampires and monsters yes that's even cooler good call um and it's got pretty good tunes you know pretty uh pretty fun little soundtrack so let's hear two songs from uh night slashers and composer tomoyoshi sato we've got uh 
some fantastic, yeah, maybe even, uh, I would say, double entendre titles here. We've got Beat of Darkness, something I'm, uh, you know, that's how I like it. And then we've got I Will Crush, uh, words to live by. expert around here that's uh, music to crush to yeah i will crush is something i say to myself uh every time uh, like right before i go out to a club i look at myself in the mm-hmm. mirror and say i will crush yeah you do a little of that daily affirmation yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good enough <laughs> smart da- enough da- i will daily crush, crush. <laughs> daily crush formation yeah. oh that's the way See, to i was be. thinking more along the lines of cool runnings like i have str- i am strong i have power i will crush also good. Man, that's also celebrating the 30th birthday. We should have cool runnings on the show. Uh, we can probably get one of the cast members. Maybe just Leon. Um, 
But yeah, so uh, moving from one spooky arcade game to a spooky game, but not in the arcades. Uh, a little home console game. I believe it's out on SNES and Genesis, which means, of course, I got the SNES version for the show. Um, but a fantastic game also that I think we've all played. Probably, uh, I'm wondering if any of us, I'm wondering how far any of us have gotten in this game. Zombies Ate My Neighbors, guys. It's 30 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's, uh, I, you know, I'll go ahead and put it out there. Better than Night Slashers. Uh, but nothing against Night Slashers. It's just that I really love Zombies Ate My Neighbors. <laughs> Um, it's a bold take. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, as far as spooky games released in September of 1993 go, give me Zombies Ate My Neighbors. I played the hell out of this. Uh, what a uh, what a fun little game. You know, even back before I appreciated the uh, all the like referential horror, it was just a fun game. Like all the all the level titles have like little you know references to old movies and things. Everything's got that 3D you know horror movie kind of pastiche going on. Uh, but more importantly for me at the time. Just fun. Two-player game that you get to run around and kill monsters in and, you know, rescue people and have frustrating co-op with your older brother. It's uh, it's a <laughs> hell of a time. <laughs> See, this is one of those things where you're like, oh, I wonder how far you guys got in the game. And I honestly couldn't tell you because I feel like every level looked exactly the same. So Almost. I could have lost it at level three. I could have lost it at level 15. Like, I really don't know. Right. Johnny, do you remember how many levels are in this game? Uh, I have no idea. I'm going to guess four. Oh, man. Yes, uh, there's at least that. Uh, that's a good <laughs> good prices right thing. Um, <laughs> David, do you have, a, do you have a, a ballpark on how many stages you think there are in Zombies Ate My Neighbors? I'm going to say 20 in total. Ooh, man, no. Uh, I, I definitely got past level 20 at some point, but I never sniffed the end of this game. There are 48 levels in this game. Ooh. Yeah. Hell of a game. So basically... So basically, I win the showcase showdown. You do, yeah. But you didn't get okay, within cool. enough to get both showcases, unfortunately, David. Um, so what's yeah, uh, you're, <laughs> you're you're only getting the weekend trip to Buffalo, David? I'm sorry. Yeah, you get an old living room set. God damn it! Uh, you know, Johnny gets the fucking chest freezer or whatever, and the you know poorly built catamaran. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> what do you guys? Uh, you got a favorite favorite level or memory of Zombies Ate My Neighbors? At, you know. I feel like uh, my mind goes straight to the giant baby. Uh, that was a really Damn funny it, level. You stole mine. Okay, shit. Or the level yeah, where just... it's like the chainsaw guys. You're in a hedge maze, but there's like uh, Leatherface guys that can just saw through the hedge maze and attack you. Those are like my two big memories of this game. <laughs> I remember there being like trampoline girls. Yes. And people, so, like people barbecuing or something. Yeah, those were some of the neighbors. The neighbors, you know, delightfully oblivious to the fact that there's a zombie attack going on. <laughs> you know, just like a cheerleader jumping on a trampoline and yeah, guys cooking out. Um, you know, this, the saving of the neighbors was always kind of funny because it's like, ostensibly, you want to save the neighbors, but you also want to kill as many things as you can because, you know, you're playing it as, a, as I was as a young person. But uh, you know, there's also like a competition to try and get points. It was an interesting little game they had, you know, like. Yeah, you're competing against your whoever you're playing co-op with to see who can get the most points, but also you don't really care about rescuing all the neighbors because you just want to use all the wacky weapons. You want to kill zombies with like six packs of soda and fucking holy water squirt guns. Uh, I was going to say that's two memories I have of this game are one, the giant mutant babies and two, collecting soda cans because soda was somehow a grenade. Mm hmm. Yeah, like it, I don't understand how that works. I'm sure there was something. But it's a thing. I'm sure, there was something in the manual where it said they accidentally shipped like holy water soda, and that's why it worked. But yeah, for some reason, you shake up a six pack and it's a grenade. Just a fun game, uh, all around very silly. Um, 
And yeah, fun soundtrack from uh, composer Joe McDermott. We got two songs from Zombies Ate My Neighbors. We've got Zombie Panic, and we've got The Boss Battle. So let's none of us panic while we listen to Zombie Panic.
really, really fun music. Uh, really captures the vibe. Playful, with a little bit of spook. Uh, you know, just good music to kill a giant baby to. Uh, I guess you didn't kill it. You stopped it from being giant. You saved it. <laughs> so let's not yeah, go down that road. Um, so the, the original director's cut of Honey, I Blew Up the Baby. <laughs> kill that fucking baby now. <laughs> it's going to destroy well, Las I mean, Vegas. Kill it. <laughs> the thing is, it's not just like a normal baby. It's a baby that's been irradiated and blown up to giant size because it was a uh, loving pastiche to things like them and attack of the tarantula and like the black scorpion and various creatures that were blown up to giant proportion okay. through radiation this is me drinking out my horror movie big dick so i appreciate that ignore this and yeah. feel free to just cut this out no no please you know i don't recall specifically in the in the game the baby being irradiated i know that you fight it and it doesn't die it shrinks back down to a little goo goo baby and you move on that's the end of the level but uh point is fun game uh, so, moving on to a game, I don't know if it's fun. You know why? Even back in the day, I was not susceptible to this crass-ass, you know, marketing attempt of a game. Um, man, guys, it's uh, <laughs> a deeply uncool game starring a cool little character. It's cool spot for the SNES. Uh, the 7-Up tie-in game. <laughs> I'm guessing, Johnny, you didn't play this. You're more of a Pepsi man guy, right? I actually did play this on the Genesis. Oh, this is on Genesis too? Okay, shit. Yeah. Mm. And I remember it actually being a pretty good platformer. See, uh, yeah. I remember really enjoying it. I mean, cool spot. Kind of a fun yeah. character. Little spot with sunglasses. This is a cool little dude. Yeah. Wearing his little, little sunglasses, you know, being all cool. Right. You yeah. know, get, collecting 7-Up bubbles. And helping people yeah. quench their thirst, yeah. Yeah. Spreading awareness um, of 7-Up. Uh, I don't remember much about the game except liking it, though. Right. <laughs> That's the thing. Like. Yeah, no, this is uh, it's just one of those ones where I feel like I saw it on the shelf, and I'm like, I don't need to play that, right? Like, it's it was this, and like I feel like they made a they made a Chester Cheetah game at some point. I'm like, listen, I like Cheetos all well and good, but like, I don't actually need to play a Chester Cheetah game, right? Like, he's a cool Cheeto mascot, but like, I don't know, man. Uh, pass. Yeah, as tie-in I games go, I think I, I think I played you know some Mick kids, but like I don't know, Cool Spot and Chester Cheetah didn't work on me. I feel like of all the the later tie-in games like Yo Noid and mm. Chester Cheetah, like Cool Spot was actually one of the better ones, if not the best one. Mm. Um, like I have vague memories of renting this game the summer that I was allowed to rent a Super Nintendo. Oh yeah. And Having a lot of fun with it, actually. <laughs> uh, I love the idea of you renting a Super Nintendo and somehow only getting cool spot. <laughs> like, well, this uh, oh, no, I definitely, this is proving worth it. <laughs> I definitely got, like, Super Mario World, but Good. also rented, like, a handful of SNES games, and cool spot was one of them. And I remember it being, like... Fine. <laughs> vaguely remember it being pretty good. Okay, well, I'll take that as a ringing endorsement of Cool Spot and its fantastic composer, Tommy Tallarico. Uh, maybe you've heard of him. Uh, we've got two fantastic songs from Cool Spot. We've got Shell Shock and we've got the bonus level. So uh, let's see how cool these tunes are.
pretty uh pretty fun kind of epic music for a cool spot game. Johnny, what is this uh what is this little trivia that you just sent to chat? Read this to me. Uh well basically in the European version of this, they removed all seven up references from the game. <laughs> <laughs> Why would they do that? <laughs> Well, because in Europe, Spot is a popular, like, comic character, and not necessarily a mascot. It's kind of like Asterix. Oh. We don't know who Asterix is, but he's super big in Belgium. That's true. Are you telling the truth on that, David? Is there a, is there a following for Spot outside of 7-Up? Uh, I am pulling this completely out of my ass. Okay, good, good, good. I, I appreciate you doing that. For a second there, I almost thought, like, I actually, I guess I could see 7-Up just lifting a famous, like, Spot with sunglasses from... You know, somewhere in England and not crediting them and letting us all think they came up with this cool little thing. It's, it, of course, it, you know, it's not that cool. It's a circle with sunglasses on. It's not. It's just simply not that cool, but whatever. Um, I mean, I think it is clearly cool based on the fact that it's wearing sunglasses. Yes. It, that, it, by definition, makes it cool. It passes the Poochie test. It's, uh, <laughs> it's just that easy. So, uh, speaking of things that are actually cool. Um, how about a game for the SNES? And I have to make sure that I say it's for the SNES because it's not the arcade release and it's not on other systems. This one, uh, is a unique version of this combination of characters for the SNES. Two fantastic flavors coming together to fight each other. Alien versus Predator on the SNES. Um... David, did you I, happen to rent this the the month or whatever that you rented an SNES? <laughs> sadly, no. Dang. Johnny, have you seen more than one Alien movie by now? I was going to ask if you've seen Predator, but we watched that together for a commentary a couple <laughs> years ago, so I know you've seen that at least. Yes, I've seen Alien, uh, the first one, and that's mm. it. Damn. Um, and yeah, there's I mean, so, it's good I feel that like you've seen like, Alien. That's a classic. It is. It is. There's more to I see, though. Like- I feel like there's five games all named Alien vs. Predator, and they're all completely different games. Like, and I can't keep track of which one is which. Yeah, that's kind of true. The, I was, you know, as I was looking through the, like, list of games for the month, I'm like, oh, is that the, like, the Alien vs. Predator arcade game? No, oh, it's the SNES one. I think I played that one. And then I was looking on, like, the wiki page for it, and it's like, you know, systems, SNES. And then it says, like, you know, this is not to be confused with any other Alien versus Predator game. I'm like, oh, Jesus. How, you know, why couldn't they just do one and port it? Like, uh, I guess they just kept on handing it off to different people. And I think also this is a this is a kind of concept that got revisited frequently. Like, everybody wanted to try their hand at an Alien and a Predator. So, uh, let's see. that You know. Oh, no, I don't want to read through this list of Alien and Predator games. They're not, you know, I thought it was just going to be the ones featuring both. It's actually, this is a chronological list of separate. Uh, games but this is the first time that alien and predator are in the same game so that's an important milestone in uh, not only gaming but in pop culture because god what a what an idea yeah putting, uh, so putting i'm looking it up things. though in, in this one you only play as a predator right you don't get to play as the alien that is the unfortunate circumstance of this game they call it <laughs> alien versus predator but you cannot be the alien uh, uh I, I definitely got this as a birthday present a couple years after it came out uh, I remember it well. I had my SNS and we had moved to St. Augustine. I had some of my newer you know, school friends over for a birthday party. And one of them gave me four SNES games in a grocery bag. And it oh, was wow. one, of the, one of the better presents I've ever gotten. <laughs> Just you know, <laughs> four loose SNES games that he and his brother decided they didn't want anymore. And one of them was Alien vs. Predator. And yeah, it's uh, you walk around as the Predator fighting aliens. It's pretty fucking fun. <laughs> um, now, is this a side-scrolling beat-em-up? Yeah. Okay. 
you know, just Predator walking around beating the shit out of aliens. Uh, fun, hard, uh, very satisfying, very, uh, you know, the kind of thing that appealed to, you know, I don't know. Uh, I would say it's, again, like one of those things like, yeah, alien fighting Predator. That's, of course, something everybody wants in a video game. It'd be nice if you had control of the alien or the Predator, like if they had two separate beat-em-ups. But it wouldn't really, I guess, make sense for there to be one where you play as the alien fighting a bunch of Predators, because really at this point in the Predator series, it's one Predator per, like, movie. So to be an alien fighting a bunch of Predators would be odd. They would have to come up with something and then have, like, the Predator be the boss of every level. You know, it's... uh, it makes sense, ultimately, I guess, that it was just a predator fighting aliens. Those are the things that, you know, there's swarms of. So, makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it'd be cool if you could, you know, put in a game genie and have there be swarms of predators instead. <laughs> you know, predators <laughs> bursting out of aliens' chests. and Oh, you know. God, yes. Yeah. Just, oh, man, just re- uh, reverse alien the predator. It'd be fantastic. But Like, does it have to make sense? Like, come on, just yeah. let us fight a bunch of Predators. Exactly. No, you know, this wasn't a time when anybody was concerned about canon. Like, Alien 3 had just come out, you know, within the last, you know, couple of years. That movie's fucking terrible. <laughs> like, nobody cares what you're doing with Alien and Predator at this point. So, you know, let them, let them fight. But, anyway, we got two fantastic songs from Alien vs. Predator and composer Sato Tenpei. Oh, David, what's up? I just wanted to say, um, trying to make a point where it's easy to edit. Can I take a quick pee break? Be my guest. Okay, I'll be right good, back. Good, good. <clears throat> so, we got two fantastic songs from Alien vs. Predator and composer Sato Tenpei. We've got Spaceship and we've got Battle, which is all that you really need in an Alien vs. Predator game. Can we hear David urinating on the stream right now? I think I heard it. Maybe. I think we're quiet when we can hear it, yeah. Loud pisser. Let's <laughs> well, play, play these tunes he, to drown out that loud piss. <laughs> is he not shutting the door? <laughs> of course not. He lives alone now. Oh, I guess if there's nobody there. I still shut my door when I'm alone. Uh, okay, well, that you know, that's something to unpack later. Let's hear these tunes. <laughs> oh, they're too, too soft to drown out the pee. <laughs>
uh, it's good music, man. It's good. Yeah, it's. It, I feel like it could go a little harder. I feel like it's uh, it doesn't quite have the edge and the attitude that you would expect from a you know nineteen ninety three Alien versus Predator game. But you know, it's good music to fight aliens too, and it's good music to drown out the sound of your friend peeing. It's uh, it's just it's all around very good. So. Um, moving on to something that I don't know if it's all around very good, because, I don't know, man, it's, uh, not something that I really ever want to play again, but it's something that, it's like a, if you're making a video game music podcast, you pretty much gotta talk about this one. A little game for the SNES, featuring a little character that has weird arms and legs, and, uh, can throw them at people or something, I don't know, man, it's Plock! Mortal Kombat. Oh, the, oh yeah. So many <laughs> ribcages and femurs. <laughs> uh, no, it, it's Plock for the SNES. Um, a very strange platforming game in which you play as a weird character that I guess can throw his appendages at people. Um, did anybody oh, ever- Oh, Rayman. Uh, you'd think that, wouldn't you? Uh, it, it's uh, it's like Proto-Rayman. Um, it's not Proto-Man, but it's- uh, yeah, I don't know. Did did you guys ever get this try? I feel like once everybody discovers this soundtrack, they think they need to go back and play the game. And some people find that it's like some kind of, you know, untouchable classic. And guys like me just aren't enthused by it. I don't know. I, I didn't get anything out of this. Uh, did you guys ever try to play Plock? I know. I've, I've never played Plock once in my life. Mm. I have not played it, but I have seen videos of people who claim it's very good. Right. That's uh, what I've heard, too. I I don't know. I gave it a few levels, and it didn't really do it for me. It was weird. It's it's kind of fun and strange. It, it's definitely strange. Uh, you know, you're throwing your arms and legs, and, like, I think you can, like, kind of lose them at some point. So, like, if you don't, they, like, boomerang, and you, if you don't, like, get them back right, then you, you walk all weird and funny. Um, but it's uh, it's just, like, a weird, hot, you know, hot nonsense game. Um and really, the the game of it really is much less important than the soundtrack. It's a fucking, it's the classic Tim and Jeff Fallen soundtrack. Uh, <sighs> just really, really fun tunes they fucking made for this game. Like, uh, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's like it, like I said, if you're making a video game music podcast, you pretty much got a feature plot on it at some point. Um, so that's what we're gonna do. It's uh, it's reputation precedes it. The game speaks for itself. The tunes truly speak for themselves. So uh, let's just jump into two fantastic tunes from Plock and composers Tim and Jeff Fallen, a couple of uh, video game music gods that they are. Uh, we've got the main theme, theme of Plock, and we've got the beach, because, yeah, it's, again, it's what you do if you feature Plock on the show. You do the main theme and the beach.
Yeah, it's really just fucking really impressively done. Like SNES tunes with some crazy progression. Uh, you know, Tim Fallon really just uh, took things in an interesting direction. I uh, I love it when we get to see interviews and stuff with him and pick that guy's brain a little bit because he basically said like, I don't know, man, like I'm. I'm kind of a composer, but really, I just wanted to like program my favorite kind of music into stuff. I like the technical side and figuring out how to make uh, make these things, make the music the way I want. So, you know, cool guy, um, cool guy that makes cool music. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll hear from him again sometime soon. But let's do the uh, the final stretch of this 1993 segment, guys. It's a big, big month for fighting games. And man, oh man, are there some fighting games coming out in the month of September of 1993. We're going to you know, head up towards the big one by uh, starting with uh, a couple of others. It's an interesting month for fighting games. You know, I always try to bring this series on when we uh, do Game of the Tune Gems, and I find that we never have a whole lot to say about it. So Fatal Fury Special is in the arcade. And I'm thinking Johnny still doesn't really know what Fatal Fury is. I no, I really don't. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that the game where you're taking um, you're taking photos of ghosts? No. Is that what Fatal Fury is? No, no, no. You're thinking of Spirit Camera. Ah. Uh, yeah. No, that's uh, <clears throat> Oh, this is gonna bug me. Is David getting stumped? <laughs> Johnny, it's just... it's. Fa- it's Fatal Something, but it's not Fatal Fury. Right. It's... That's the joke. Oh, God. <laughs> Actually, now I kind of want to just let him let him soak in this for a minute. Let's see if David comes up with this. Um, I No. Oh, God. Don't do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Fatal Fury, man. You know, a fun, fun fighting game from SNK. Uh, you know, related to the King of Fighters games, which we also frequently you know bring on the show when they come out and then don't have a whole lot to say about them. You know, I wish I had played more of these. I know Jesse played some of them. You know, we all love uh, love some of these SNK characters. And that's why it's on this show. So we're not going to beat around the bush. We got Fatal Fury Special. And we got two dope fucking songs that are like untouchable GTT radio classics. So while David's still, you know, fucking torturing himself, let's uh, hear from the SNK sound team. Soy sauce for geese, geese Howard's theme. And the duck dub dub at two duck theme of Duck King. Anybody that hangs out with me on GTT Radio knows I've played this one into the ground, baby. So let's uh, let's do a special Fatal Fury.
really don't like having to say things like that song fucks, but like what an undeniable fucking song. Uh, okay, so David, did you figure it out? <laughs> I had I, I resorted to looking it up, but it's Fatal Frame. Yes, it is. That is the horror series. God, I was hoping that you were going to come back with another wrong answer. It's not <laughs> Fatal Fury. It's Final Fantasy. Stupid. <laughs> uh, yes, no. Yeah, Fatal Frame. Uh, ghost pictures. Fatal Fury special fighting game uh, with Geese Howard, and I guess it makes makes it seem like this uh, is a fighting game with ducks because we got the uh, or with uh, like waterfowl because we got the theme of geese and the theme of duck. Uh, would Fatal Fury special be more played by you, Johnny, and possibly by you, David, if all of the characters were waterfowl? Yes. Yeah. So I've I've actually uh, this is a, a horrible confession. I've actually downloaded Fatal Fury Special, Uh-oh. but I have not yet to play it. Mm. Um, and I downloaded it because after Masahiro Sakurai was talking about Terry Bogard and like listing his recommendations mm. of games, this was one of them. It's like, well, I gotta play that. Yeah. So I bought it, but have not played it. Well, David, I know you're gonna be disappointed because you're gonna discover that all the characters in the game are human beings and they are not waterfowl. But I hope that you find. God. The- <laughs> I hope you find the time to enjoy it soon. So, let's move on to another fighting game, um, also coming out in the arcades. Kind of an interesting, important entry in, I would say, a series, but also in a... Man, how do I say this? Uh, An important, like, sub-sequel of a certain... Man, how do you say... How do you explain Super Street Fighter 2? Where they added the new challengers. Like, what is Super Street Fighter 2 to Street Fighter 2 at this point? It's a sequel to Street Fighter 2. Right. It's a sequel I mean, to I... a sequel. It's a, but, it's like a, so it's, it, but it's not really advancing the series so much as it's just adding DLC to Street Fighter 2. I feel like the best way to explain it is this is the fourth or fifth sequel to Street Fighter 2. Right. Yeah. Bizarre, but pretty dope. You know why? Because there's new challengers. We've all been enjoying Street Fighter 2 for a couple of years now, but hey, what if there were four new challengers? Uh, Johnny, who's your, uh, who's your, you know, who are your guys from the set of new challengers? Who do you like? Cammy. Of course. Cammy. Cammy. That's a very guy (laughs) answer. David, what about you, man? (laughs) Um, okay. It's okay to just say Cammy. Cammy is the only one that really makes an impact. Which set of four challengers did they add? Was this the bosses or was this the new characters? Oh no, this is the, this is the new challengers. This is not uh, just Street Fighter Two Turbo or whatever where they added M Bison and uh, the, it's not the boss characters. This is Cammy, T Hawk, DJ, and Phalong. I'm gonna say T Hawk, okay, because I like me some grapplers. Mm-hmm. And you know, so many people go to cosplay conventions dressed as T Hawk. He uh, <laughs> really stands the test of time. Mean, stands out. <laughs> I mean, I think the only one that surpasses T-Hawk in terms of cosplayers is Deadpool. That's true. Yeah. It's T-Hawk and Deadpool. They're all over the con circuit. (laughs) Oh, wait, shit. Do they add Deadpool to this game? (laughs) They should have. (laughs) God. I would have taken Deadpool over uh, probably Fei Long. Fei Long's cool. You know, we all love Bruce Lee. But like- I was going to say, really? Like, you're going to replace Bruce Lee? Yeah, I'm going to replace Fei Long. Deadpool? Yeah, if- if it was actually Bruce Lee, I would leave him alone. But since it's Fei Long, you know, legally, it's like the, you know, senior Spielbergo of Bruce Lee's. You got to fucking, I would replace him with Deadpool, personally. Uh, 
but that's not the case. Fei Long's a perfectly fine character. I loved him in the movie. He had a great role. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, DJ also cool. He wears pants that say maximum. He, uh, you know, breaks out the maracas when he wins. I love that guy. He's got a great attitude. <laughs> that is one of my favorite bits of Street Fighter trivia is the reason his pants say maxim is because those can be reversed. So they didn't have to alter his sprite at all. <laughs> Hell yeah, exactly. Like, that's brilliant. <laughs> Palindrome letters, baby. <laughs> we can mirror these no problem. Um, yeah, man. Uh, fun, uh, fun game. And, you know, it's also the... Wait, is it the first appearance of another fighter? Um, yeah, who am I thinking of? Uh, little guy... Fei Long. That, uh, no, he shows up... As a uh, special boss, he—that's in Turbo Super oh, Street he's, Fighter okay, Two Turbo. He's not in this yet. That's Super Street Fighter Two Turbo, the other sequel to this. <laughs> God, so so many Street oh, Fighter Twos. Are we? It's sequels are we all the way down. Akuma? It's nuts. Yeah, so this is not Akuma's first game. Uh, that'll no. be coming in a future edition of Jim. So anyway, we got two fantastic songs from Super Street Fighter Two: Colin the New Challengers. Uh, we've got composers Syun Nishigaki and Isao Abe, and we've got, of course, Kami's stage and DJ's stage. So let us uh, shake our maracas and shake our, uh, you know, whatever Kami shakes.
Mm. God, DJ's got a funky stage, man. I want to just see somebody play that whole theme on an electric piano, man. It just puts me in the mood to get funky. You know, I could fight or I could dance. I could do either one, man. I'm, you know, I'm down with DJ. Um, so another fighting game that came out this month. This one came out for home consoles. Uh, SNES and Genesis, to be specific. I think it also came out at some point on the NES, but the less said about that, the better. Because guess what, guys? It's time for a fighting tournament with four of our favorite characters and also a bunch of other characters that they know. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters for uh, SNES and Genesis. Hell of a fucking game. I didn't realize it came out in the same month as these other fighting games, man. It was a serious month for fighting games this month. Um, Damn. Yeah. Did you, uh, Johnny, with your Genesis, get the Turtle Tournament Fighters? Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hell yeah, you do. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it it makes too much sense. Like a, a teenage Ninja, Tur- Ninja Turtles beat 'em up has been done and done very well and is always very enjoyable. But what about a Street Fighter game with tur- fucking Ninja Turtles in it? Yeah, that's great. But should it be just four turtles? No, there should be a bunch of fucking awesome boss characters. You should be able to play as April O'Neil, Casey Jones, uh, the rest. Wait, what? Was April O'Neil in Tournament Fighters? I think so. I know she was playable in um, the Genesis version. Ah, that's important. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head if she was playable in the Super Nintendo version. The Super Nintendo version, I think, was the overall better version, though, if I remember this right. Okay. Why is they're, they're like very different games in terms of like what characters there are and Oh, okay. And all I that. didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I do know... Um... I've been playing a lot of uh, Shredder's Revenge on Switch, yeah. which is not Tournament Fighters, but Karai, the leader of the Foot Clan. Um, a lot of her color palettes that you can unlock pull from her alternate costumes from Tournament Fighters, which is a deep cut and really fucking cool. Sweet. Um, also, one of her colors is actually based on a rig- an original character from Tournament Fighters called... God, I don't want to mess this up. I want to say Sakai or maybe Makai. Anyhow, um, I can't yeah, tell you if you've some, messed that up or not. <laughs> this this game has some unique characters that get referenced in later Ninja Turtles games. Hell yeah! Um, sorry, I'm trying to look up the character differences between SNES and Genesis. So, uh, you got the turtles, you got the Shredder, you got a creature named War, uh, Asuka. Chrome Dome, Wingnut, Armagon, Rat King, and Karai in the uh, SNES version. And who do you have in the Genesis version? It's very important. Uh, you got the four turtles. Yes, that, those uh, are important. <laughs> you got Casey. <laughs> Could you imagine if the Genesis version had the four turtles and the SNES version like omitted Raphael? I, man, you know, that'd be very, very funny. Just, we couldn't program it. It was, it was tough. Um. So yeah, you had the turtles. You had uh, April O'Neil. You had Casey Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Ray Filet. Yeah. And a new original character named Sisyphus. Okay. I guess that's okay. Um, but yeah, yeah that's uh, see, that's a trade-off, man. It's funny that there there's differences. Like, you know, I guess uh, all my memories of this have kind of melded together because, you know, my buddy back in the day, uh, you know, shout out to my man Alex. He had, uh, he had the Genesis, so I must have played it over his, his house because I loved April O'Neil. Uh, and then you're telling me, you know, April and Casey Jones aren't even in the SNES version, which is definitely the one that I, you know, played much more. So, man, it all ran together. But what a fun game, man. Just, uh, you know, good. Like, I, I don't know. Me and my brother played a hell out of this. I remember, you know, the arcade version, uh, like the arcade mode in the game 
uh, being a lot of fun, you know, challenging, just enjoyable. A good, good Ninja Turtles fighting game. Has there been a good Ninja Turtles fighting game since this? Ooh, has there? Well, okay, has there been a Ninja Turtles fighting game? Period. It's a very this? good question. I feel like they did a fake Smash Brothers at some point. But, like, has there been oh, another Ninja right. Turtles fighting game that's been worth a damn since this? I'm wondering if David maybe knows of one. I was going to say, I don't think they've done a Ninja Turtles fighting game since, but you definitely reminded me of TMNT Smash Up. Yeah. The, like, weird Smash Brothers clone, which featured unlockable rabbits for some reason. <laughs> um, outside of that, and the Ninja Turtles appearing in Injustice 2, I don't think so. Was it? Which is, dare I say, a God damn shame. It is a bit of a travesty. It's uh, it's a real shame. Um, they should bring them back, man. Turtles are harder than ever, man. They had that new movie this year. They're back. Uh, you know, people love those turtles. Those turtles love being turtles. I don't know if you've heard. Um, but yeah, we've got two fantastic songs from the Genesis version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters and composer Mickey Higashino. We've got April O'Neil's stage and we've got Donatello's stage. Shout out to every dork's favorite turtle. Hell yeah! <laughs>
fun tunes, man. Fun tunes, fun game. Yeah, I'm sorry, David. I didn't mean to call you out on being a dork, but we all know the dork ass is picked on Atello. It's alliterative, David. It's just how it goes. Um, so the final fighting game that came out in September of 93, somewhat of a big deal. This was a big time marketing push. This is not the first time this game came out. It came out in arcades the year before this, but I think we all remember where we were September 13th, 1993. It was a Monday, Johnny. It was a Monday known as Mortal Monday. For you, it was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Monday. It was just a Monday, baby. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Mortal Monday. Mortal Kombat came out on four different systems 30 years ago. It came out on the SNES, the Genesis, and yes, also the Game Gear and the Game Boy. Very important for them to market those. Uh, <laughs> it's really important that people know these things came out on those handhelds because God help you if your mother accidentally got you those versions. Um, man. Uh, pretty big deal, these games coming home. Uh, it was always fun to go play in the arcade, but kind of a big fucking deal to have Mortal Kombat at home. Even the upsetting edited SNES version, I was, you know, it took my mom, like, having to do, like, consumer, like, research to find out that, like, oh, no, there's no blood in the game. Fine, I will buy it for the boys. <laughs> like, it was... Yeah, you're just punching the sweat out of people. Dude, yeah, I beat the sweat off of Shang Tsung. <laughs> put that guy you know oh man i gave him the workout of his life um and then yeah this uh again shout out to my buddy alex who had the genesis and we had mortal Kombat at his house with the blood code that's the shit right there man because yeah god man it was uh, uh you know the snes version plays just fine but man it's fucking lame <laughs> without the blood <laughs> it's just not right and it's also not right if you fucking do like a game genie code to turn the sweat to blood it's uh it doesn't look right it's just not not the same at all um so yeah johnny do, how permissive were your parents with this did they allow you to have mortal Kombat in the house um i think they did yeah hell yeah i because like this i'm pretty sure this predates the game rating systems although back then i think mortal <laughs> Kombat is, was making like the news it's kind of created the game rating system <laughs> <laughs> uh that was kind of the whole idea yeah um yeah, you got any uh, favorite uh favorite, you know, fatalities from uh the original Mortal Kombat? Do you did you play the SNES version where there were some of the worst fatalities? <laughs> Ooh, I I'm surprised they even had fatalities in the Super NES version. They did. They're pretty dumb. Uh I'm try I think I, I'm trying to remember it. It's either Luke Kang or Johnny Cage that does something where they just kick the other guy real hard in the chest and they <laughs> fall over. Like uh I think it might have been Johnny Cage, because I think Liu Kang does, like, a spinning, like, cartwheel kick. He does, like, an aerial cartwheel and kicks the shit out of you, and they call it a fatality. It's like, what the fuck was that? Um, <laughs> is that all you got? You you did a fucking, like, a, a double aerial kick and then uppercutted him, and you called it a fatality? No, no, no. That ain't gonna cut it. Where's Scorpion? Like, <laughs> and, oh, and Sub-Zero, in this one, in the SNES version, didn't have the spine rip. Man, what a frustrating thing uh, to discover as a kid. Like That's the best one, is the spine rip. It's so dope. Like, yeah. even if it doesn't really make sense for Sub-Zero to do that, it's so fucking cool. To you this know, day. Ripping someone's any, whole head and spine out like it's a fucking fish. <laughs> like, to, dude, to, to this day, when I'm, like, spatchcocking a chicken and I have to take the spine out, 
I pretend I'm Sub-Zero. Hell yeah. <laughs> of course. Because <laughs> you just have to. It's like it's, yeah, it's baked, baked into that move, man. You pull on that thing and it comes out. You got to hold it up. You got to show your wife. Uh, you know, Johnny wins. I'm, I'm just sitting here. It's like this game has some of the worst fatalities ever. Like, John, let me introduce you to a game called Mortal Kombat versus DC Comics. Yeah, it's, you know, so maybe not worst ever, but worst at the time. Because, um, yeah, bloodless edited fatalities on the SNES version. They weren't cutting it, baby. But anyway, we got Mortal Kombat on four different systems, so we've got an extra bonus beat for this game. We've got four different versions of some Mortal Kombat music. That's right. We've got... Background music from Mortal Kombat Game Gear. We've got Fight Theme 2 from Mortal Kombat Game Boy. And then we've got The Pit from Mortal Kombat on the SNES. And then The Good Pit from Mortal Kombat on the Genesis. Because, <laughs> you know, I, no offense to the SNES version. It's got fine music, but it doesn't have the pit theme from the Genesis version. So let's hear four different versions of some Mortal Kombat fight music to take us home for this 1993 segment. We'll see you guys in 2003. <laughs>
Man, oh man, what a uh, what a segment that was. But it's time, guys. It's time for 2003 video games. Sadly, a lot less fighting games coming out in this month's segment. But a greater... Oh, he's out! No! <laughs> David, wait, no! I was going to tell you there's a greater variety of games and some downright silly and awesome games that come out this month. So I want to start with one of my... Uh, dare I say it, favorite games for the PlayStation 2 that involve the use of a Dance Dance Revolution dancing mat. Uh, you know, Basically, the uh, the one that I played on PlayStation 2. DDR Max 2 Dance Dance Revolution for the PlayStation 2 is out this month. Uh, bringing with it a murderer's row of Europop trash music. <laughs> uh, just, man, what a... What a game. Did you guys play or get into, like, home DDR at any point? I um I recall buying a mat at game at um Goodwill at some point and then never actually using it. Oh, not even once. Nice. Yeah, I remember you had like a custom DDR making thing on your computer and you just liked making, you know, like nonsense hard songs, but I don't recall you ever actually playing it. No, I mostly just played it on my keyboard. That's very funny. David, what about you? Did you, did you dance a uh, little revolution? Um, this was not DDR Disney Mix or Mario Mix, right. so I did not play. Why would he have ever bothered? <laughs> yeah, I um, I had this later on. I, I definitely got this on like either eBay or like got it super cheap at like Goodwill or something. Because you know, it's like I would not have paid full price for this, but it's like, oh well, look at that. I'll give that a shot. Uh, you know, I've seen people play this, and you know, I'm gaining weight. Why not treat it like exercise? This DDR Max. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't play it, obviously, when it came out, but I played it a couple years thereafter. And I was living in Gainesville at the time with uh, my buddies. And we also, uh, you know, uh, had a female roommate at the time. And she came out of her room and saw me playing this and laughed me into never playing it again. I was, you know, she's like, you gotta be fucking kidding. Is this, uh, this what we're doing? I'm like, damn, I've been shamed. I, uh, I'm folding up my DDR mat and retiring forever. It was just that easy to get to young me back in the day. Uh, you know, young woman laughed at young me and suddenly the DDR groove was gone from, from my heart. But, uh, I still love the soundtrack and I love actually playing the games. I do like to break it down on a DDR every now and then. I'm not very good. I'm not fast on my feet, but this had a fun soundtrack with some trash fucking Euro music. So let's hear, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do three songs. From uh, DDR, Max 2, Dance Dance Revolution. Uh, composer Captain Jack. We've got Dream a Dream from Kylie Minogue. We've got Love at First Sight. And we've got Heaven. DJ Sammy. The song that I have burned into my brain because of how many times I played it playing this game. DDR, Max 2.
sometimes you just gotta laugh at yourself and you gotta laugh at what you've done to your brain by playing these games and knowing these songs you know that, that song's a pop but there's i don't See, know it's just it's one of those things where you're listening to that music and laughing like what the fuck is this i'm listening to that music unironically this this is a fucking jam well, that's the thing it, it went from like playing ddr max 2 and being like god you know what am i doing playing this and then you know over the course of many years after that, being like, wait a minute, no, yeah, you know, Heaven by DJ Sammy fucking ruled. <laughs> I should fucking, yeah, I should add that to a few playlists. That uh, that can make the rotation. Um, yeah, it, star- it, it started ironic and worked its way into non-ironic. That's the beauty of 
so much video game music. Um, but yeah, uh, moving on from something that I'm embarrassed by to something that I don't know. I have no feelings towards. So that's a, that's a nice change of pace. You know, I said that we might hear from Tim Fallon again on this episode. Guess what? This is one of the rare times when we hear Tim Fallon outside of the first segment of the show. <laughs> Tim Fallon doesn't escape the 90s very often. But guess what? We've got a 2003 Tim Fallon soundtrack. And man, oh, man, is it for a classic game. More classic, I would argue, than Plock. Uh, I say with a wink. Um, is this Silver Surfer on GameCube? It is. Thank God we finally got there. The, the playable version of Silver Surfer. No, David, it's stupider than that. This <laughs> is Tim Fallon composing the soundtrack to Starsky and Hutch for the PlayStation 2. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see that coming, did you? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Is this the video game version of the show or the that movie with like uh with Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller? Yeah, it's not that. It's the show. Oh, oh, wow! This predates the <laughs> this predates the movie and is not connected to it. This is a tie-in to the Starsky and Hutch television show. Wow! This is not the movie. Wow! Yeah. Don't ask me why it exists. I don't know. It's <laughs> baffling, to be honest. I don't. I um. I don't know. It's a. I guess they were trying to figure out. Uh, you know, we need a, like another Grand Theft Auto type of thing, like a, a game where you drive around and you know do uh, do things in a city. So yeah, why not Starsky and Hutch? Why not one where you're not criminals but you're cops and you're driving around in that iconic Starsky and Hutch car that we all know and love. You know, you and I, you know, we on the show don't know and love it because we weren't born when the show was on television. But someone out there knows and loves Starsky and Hutch and. They were really trying to get them to play this PlayStation 2 game. It's baffling, truly baffling that this is a thing. And again, that it's not tied into that movie. I thought for sure this was a movie thing. No. Uh, I definitely saw that movie, too. And I remember there being a tie-in game. So it's like, oh, Starsky and Hutch, absolutely. Based on the TV show. Yeah. What? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Owen Wilson, Vince Vaughn, Ben Stiller, nowhere to be found in this game. (laughs) So I'm I'm reading the description of this game though, and this does sound fucking awesome. Go for it. It's it's a vehicle. It's a, a vehicular combat game. Um, there's a multiplayer mode where one player drives and another player shoots enemies and obstacles from the car. Uh-huh. That's good. Um, and you can play it with steering wheels and light guns. So Whoa. like, <laughs> what steering on, wheel and light guns? <laughs> it's a vehicular combat game. So it's twisted metal with Starsky and Hutch. Exactly. Yes, twisted Hutch. Dope. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that's that man. They should have maybe instead of making this, they should have just added Starsky and Hutch to a new twisted metal game. Like, yeah. You know, what if God, it's just like if that. they were a cameo, like unlockable? You got Sweet Tooth, and you got you know fucking Axel, and you got Starsky and Hutch, and they're fucking you know. It doesn't even have guns or anything. It's just you know one of them hanging out the window shooting. <laughs> mm. But sold. Yeah, no. They but instead they made this, and for some reason Tim Fallon is the composer on this game, uh, and the music is just seventies cop show funk. So, like, I'm not really sure what Tim Fallon's doing here. I guess he you know, just wanted to try his hand at making some funk music. And I feel like, like I was saying before, like, Tim Fallon liked to, you know, program more than he liked to compose. And so I think this is the period of him realizing, I don't want to fucking do this anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I'm just making cop music for, you know, a 1970s PS2 game, I'm going to go do something else. And so, let's see. Maybe 
maybe we're here at the tail end of Tim Fallon's career. So let's hear two fantastic songs from Starsky and Hutch. We've got Funk 5 and Funk 8. That's right, this soundtrack is not tagged. <laughs>
Yeah, it's fun music, and it's got some of that fallen progression in it. I was a little bit worried when that first song started. I was like, wait a minute, did he just make Jungle Boogie? But for the Starsky and Hutch game, that's fucked up. And it kind of went other places, but, you know, yeah. Um, weird. He made Tundra Boogie. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the different, you know, fallen boogie. Um, so, moving on from a strange TV show-based game in which you drive around and fight things to... Somehow, a TV show-based game in which you drive around and uh, do things that, you know, I don't know, I would say it makes more sense just because the TV show is more current and more beloved. Um, and people uh, people are into this. This game's got a, got a big-time following, and I think we all played it and we all liked it, guys. It's time for a little hit-and-run with The Simpsons. Oh, this game was so fun. It was, oh, wasn't God. it? Yeah. Grand Theft Auto meets The Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh... Driving around doing silly Simpsons shit, and uh, you know, man, what a what a Springfield they made for this game. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, it all makes perfect sense. The Springfield they laid out for this game. I you know, I uh, don't know if they you know canonized anything based on this game, but uh, no, this game uh, it's fun. I I can't remember how they justify the fact that the kids get to steal cars and drive them, but uh, the game itself quite fun. Just Simpsons characters doing uh doing wacky Simpsons shit. David, you played it right. I definitely played this game, and I think what sold it to me as an amazing Simpsons game, because there have been a lot of Simpsons games, many of them not very good, mm. but what sold it to me was you you progress through like different chapters, like you play as Homer, then you play as Marge, Bart, and so on, um, and then eventually, like at the very end... You get to the Halloween episode. Yeah. It's like a treehouse of horror where everything is crazy. There's aliens invading, like the lard lad mascot is like waving his donut and like, okay, these writers knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they knew what the people wanted. They want, you know, some family stuff. And then, yeah, let's, you know, the Halloween episode is the best episode every year. So might as well give the people some of that. Smart move. Um. Also, I remember every level had, like, an unlockable car you could find. Like, you could find the um, the Rich Hobo solid gold rocket car. Oh, yeah. You could find, like, the honor roller. Um, Couldn't you get Willie's tractor? <laughs> yeah, you could get Willie's tractor, like... Good. There was there were so many Easter eggs and references in this game that were so good. Yeah, that was fun, man. Johnny, you played it? Oh, yeah. My favorite was Professor Frink's uh, rocket car. They had that, too? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes, that's in this game. Oh yeah, fuck yeah, cool. <laughs> See, you know, I've forgotten this because, like, you know, I liked the game just fine, but you know, I it didn't it didn't do it for me on the level that I feel like a lot of, it did for a lot of people. Like, you know, I don't know. I wanted more. Uh, I feel like since it was like I don't know, kind of level based to differentiate between the characters, I feel like it missed out on being a little bit more open worldy. I wanted more Springfield exploration, less kind of you know, I don't know, sectioned off kind of level stuff. But it's still it was it was a ton of fun. But yeah, it was like for me, it was a play once rental. You know, beat it, beat it in a rental period, and that was that. It was like, wow, that was that was cool and fun. I'm glad that happened, and that's that. But fun game, arguably the best Simpsons game. Yeah, it's which sadly is not a hard contest to win. There just aren't that many good ones. Like we love them, we played them, but like how many really good ones are there? I feel like it's hit and run. It's the arcade game. And then maybe the Simpsons game that came out, like, around the time of the movie. Oh, yeah. Like, I didn't play it myself, but I heard very good things about it. Yeah, I never played that one either. But, yeah, I think that was, like, a more 
almost like cell shaded one that came out on like PS3 or something. But yeah, yeah, never did play that one. They should have. Yeah, I don't think they're going to make them anymore. I feel like Simpsons Gaming is satisfied by, I think they still fucking release new shit for Simpsons Tapped Out. They haven't made a fucking, like a, you know, one whiff of a Simpsons game since that fucking mobile app came out. And that fucking sucks. Uh, they should make uh, they should make a new Simpsons game. There's, you know, I don't know, 25 years of material that I don't even know about at this point for them to pull from. So make a fucking game. But I don't know. Maybe don't. But we got two fantastic songs from the Simpsons Hit and Run and composers Mark Barrell, Alan Levy, and Jeff Timoshuk. We've got Wolves Stole My Pills, and we've got Bart Simpson's theme. So let us uh, let us hit the road in Springfield.
You know, I didn't know Bart had a theme, but frankly, it's uh, not a bad one. It's fun, rocking. It's got a got that Bart Simpson attitude to it. Yeah, slacking and proud. Um, good times. Good, uh, good. You know, run around as Bart Simpson. So, speaking of games in which you run around as a child of some kind, I assume there's similar levels of uh, I don't know capering and mischief in this game as uh, there was in Simpsons Hit and Run. I'm hoping one of you guys played this, but actually, man, I'm realizing it's a, I don't know, tall order. I don't know if, I don't know about this one. It's a toss up. Uh, it's a Sega game. It's made by Sonic Team. It stars a new character wearing a, like a chicken suit or something. It's Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg on the GameCube. Johnny, who did not own a GameCube, now that I'm thinking about it, I bet you never touched it. Even though it's no, Sonic I, Team, Johnny. It is Sonic Team. Mm-hmm. But it's on GameCube. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> David, did you uh, did you hatch uh, young Billy? That sounds so naughty. It doesn't it? Um, <laughs> I oh, hatch me, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't want to say anything past that. No, I actually really enjoyed Billy Hatcher. Oh, you played it. Um, yes. Oh, good. This was like <laughs> this was a cool game. Um, basically you played as a, like a rooster suit wearing kid and you found eggs and you kind of like jumped on top and rolled around and tried to make them larger until they hatched to get things. Sweet. Um, I know that I remember they added a bunch of Sega references. Like you could hatch, I believe you could hatch a Sonic egg. You could definitely hatch like a knight's egg, Mm. um, and knights would come out. But yeah, this was a it was a weird game. You were getting out in front of that was, fan art, huh? <laughs> it was a good game. It it was weird in the classic Sonic team like we're gonna do something strange, but it's gonna be fun. Yeah. We'll do our best to make it work. I mean, yeah. You know, cute character. Uh interesting little gameplay mechanic. I'm wondering if it had any like did it start as a Sonic game and they had to change it up and they decided instead of Sonic to make it a chicken kid? It doesn't seem like it did. You know, it seems like a little side you know, project that got picked up or something. <laughs> you know, it very well could have been a Sonic game if Chows came from eggs. There you have it. Johnny, you're the Sonic guy around here. Do Chows come from eggs? I truly don't know. Uh, they do. Oh, okay. Wow. There you have it. <laughs> you, you find you find eggs and put, no them in further the, comment. And put them in the Chow Garden and hatch them in Sonic Adventure. Is that really what happens? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could be tricking me right now. I'm not going to follow up on this. <laughs> So, uh, you know, we got two fantastic songs from Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg. Um, you know, what a, uh, damn it, I got the album that's tagged in Japanese. I don't have the fucking composers in front of me. Uh, hold on. From composers, oh man, Tomoya Otani and Mariko Nanba, classic Sega duo. Uh, we've got Take Upper Fruit, a, uh, song about, I don't know, doing something bad in a toilet. And we've got Chant This Charm, the theme of Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg. So let us hear this charming music.
That's just such feel-good music. Truly, truly charming and just uplifting, sweet music. Makes me want to play this. Makes me, uh, you know, upset that I didn't, you know, ever, uh, ever play Billy Hatcher. So uh, maybe we'll rectify that at some point. Billy Hatcher HD remake win. Um, it's time. Give it a full blown. God, I wish full blown Final Fantasy VII remake treatment. Bring back the giant egg. Um, so moving on to something less charming, because how could anything be more charming than Billy Hatcher? Uh, but featuring maybe more eggs. Uh, a game that came out on the Game Boy Advance, starring a beloved duo of Bear and Bird. Uh, yeah, one of the last times you'd be seeing these guys on a Nintendo system, Banjo-Kazooie Grunty's Revenge for the Game Boy Advance. Uh, a game that definitely came out and does exist. <laughs> and I'm guessing that no one touched this, because it's a Game Boy Advance version of Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, have you seen anything of this, David? The only Banjo-Kazooie game I know of on Game Boy Advance is Banjo-Pilot. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that. <laughs> I I did not know this was a thing. Yeah. I will be completely honest. Yeah, they tried to make a Banjo-Kazooie game on the Game Boy Advance. And, uh, you know, it's not like they tried to make like a 2D version of it or whatever. They just tried to make as, as good of an approximation of Banjo-Kazooie as they could. You know, obviously not 3D like the Nintendo 64, but like, you know, kind of a, almost, I want to say it was like, kind of like a, like a Zelda kind of look, you know, like top, top down kind of looking, you know, map exploring. You can find the little platforms, the little, uh, you know, the pads that make you jump, that kind of thing to like move to different areas. Um, It was a great effort, this game. Didn't, uh, didn't, didn't keep rare on Nintendo systems though. I don't know. (laughs) It's a port of Banjo-Kazooie on Game Boy Advance. Was it really a good effort? I mean, it, you know, like, that's the thing. It wasn't a port. It was, uh, you know, it was its own thing. Uh, but I, I, I don't know, man. It's uh, one of those things where I look at it and I'm like, well, you tried. I don't know why you tried. Um, you know, was anybody on Game Boy Advance clamoring for, uh, you know, I don't know, 16-bit-ish Banjo-Kazooie adventure game? Eh. No? But, like, good on you? I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know, making the show has made me realize I don't understand why a lot of handheld ports of things exist. I mean, the answer is money. But, like, you know, people's names and things are attached to these things. These people have no shame. Hmm? Does Rare have no shame? I would say they don't. You know, they, they made a game where oh, you. Oh, they definitely do not. They made a game where you a squirrel fighting a giant pile of shit. What am I saying? Um, so I got two songs from Banjo-Kazooie, Grunty's Revenge on the Game Boy Advance. They sound a lot like songs from the Nintendo 64 version, but redone slightly and also made worse because they're on Game Boy Advance. We've got Breagall Beach, and we've got Grunty's Quiz from composer Jamie Hughes. So, uh, yeah, this game truly will be Grunty's Revenge on me for picking these songs for the show. Thank you. 
actually. Perfectly fine versions. Uh, they made the, uh, they didn't do annoying things with the, uh, with the Game Boy Advance sound. I'm impressed. Um, so we've reached the end of this segment, and sadly, man, I'm disappointed that Jesse's not here. His computer crapped out on him, and he's not here for this one. And it's one that I th- think that only he can talk about. Because, you know, David, you're a Game Boy Advance guy, but you're not a strategy RPG kind of guy, right? No, God no. And Johnny, you know, you're Johnny, so it's just, <laughs> I don't even need to bother asking what you know about Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, the uh, Game Boy Final Fantasy Tactics game. Like, there's, there's no way you know anything about it. Yeah, I know it's Final Fantasy. Tactics. I know it's on the Game Boy Advance. <laughs> right. Go on. <laughs> Um, it was probably made by Square Enix. Oh, yeah, you're right on. Um, it was probably composed by Nobu Yumetsu. Oh, oh, Johnny, oh, you're way off base there. Wild that you would, uh, take that kind of swing, man. Uh, it's a, it's a Hitoshi Sakamoto joint. But, uh, uh yeah, there, there's still some Uematsu music in the game, but, um, yeah, no, mostly, mostly Sakamoto, um. And a couple other composers. They got a they got Ayako Sasu and Kaori Okoshi on this one, and uh, everybody involved contributes uh, some pretty good tunes. Uh, I haven't played it myself because I'm not much of a tactics guy, and like I said, I was really counting on Jesse to be here. But I know this game is really well liked. Um, you know it. Uh, you know because Final Fantasy Tactics actually translates well onto a thing like the Game Boy Advance. You know, like tactical RPGs on Game Boy Advance, perfectly fine. David, you never went near it. No. Damn. I I tried my hand at Fire Emblem and Advance Wars and swore off tactical RPGs after that. Did you ever consider that maybe you need to play one like not made by Nintendo? Maybe you needed a little Final Fantasy in your life. You know. <laughs> no, I never considered that. <laughs> had, that thought had crossed my mind, but then I thought, no, I'm just going to write off this whole genre. Yep. I mean, fair to be honest. Uh, yeah. Uh, sometimes you might just realize something's not for you. Uh, I would like to pl- have played this at some point, but um, you know, I just wasn't a Game Boy Advance guy. Uh, you know, I like the idea of Final Fantasy games. I like you know, I like uh, you know, the other Final Fantasy games that are coming around, uh, around this time. I was big into you know, ten. Uh, you know, uh, obviously eleven and twelve weren't there yet, but like PlayStation Two era Final Fantasy is kind of my jam. But no, I missed uh, missed Tactics Advance. So. Let us pay honor to Jesse and his broken computer with three fantastic songs to close out this segment from, again, composers Ayako Sasu, Kaori Okoshi, and Hitoshi Sakamoto, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. We've got Amber Valley, Undefeated Heart, and Unavoidable Destiny, theme of Jesse's computer breaking right before this recording of Game That Tune Gems. And we will see you in 2013.
You know what's great? This final segment? Short. Not a whole lot of games that came out in this segment. So we're going to run through these because, man, oh, man, we're running long. Johnny, I want to know, did you play Diablo 3? Nope. Oh, no! <laughs> Why not? <laughs> it was just the immediacy of, nope. Damn. That got me. <laughs> I, I can't believe it. You didn't, yeah. uh, you didn't go near it, huh? No, I yeah, I just never played it. In fairness, this uh, this was not the uh, initial release of this. This was the console release. Uh, Final or Diablo three came out in uh, twenty twelve on PC, but uh, this is the PlayStation three and Xbox three sixty release, uh, which of course does not make you have played it anymore. Um, but yeah, you. Uh, I, I just figured you. I don't know how long it had been since Diablo two at this point, and you didn't you didn't desire Diablo three. I had been like a decade, I think. I want to say Diablo 2 came out 2000 or 2001, 2002, somewhere in that era. 2000 with with three zeros, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I think at this time I was really into Linux and indie gaming and shit like that. So I was like, eh, I don't need this. You weren't into online only, uh, you know, Blizzard games? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Damn. Uh, I, I don't think I need to ask if David played it. <laughs> No. <laughs> oh God, no. Yeah, no. Did you ever play any Diablos? <laughs> um, no. Good. Uh, you know, this was uh, you know, Diablo three. Not uh, actually, not Diablo three. Diablo two was a hang out and watch somebody else play it and kind of be like, oh yeah, that's cool. I don't want to play that myself though. Uh, Diablo three. Damn, Johnny, I'm sh- I'm shocked, shocked <laughs> that you didn't uh, didn't go near this. But oh well, that plays very well into us burning through this segment. So we got two fantastic songs from Diablo 3 and composer Russell Brower. We've got The Fields of Misery and The Highlands. Sounds like uh, we got some good tunes coming here.
Man, I fully regret this inclusion. These songs weren't even worth talking about. This, uh, <laughs> damn Diablo 3, why are you going to be like that? You know, really uh, you know, working your way in on a short segment and then making me thinking about cutting you from the whole show. <laughs> damn game. Um, let's move on to another game at which I've said the, the words, damn game. Um, man, David, do you, it's 10 years now, do you still have strong opinions on Rayman Legends for uh, systems of that year, PlayStation 3, uh, 360, and more importantly, Wii U? This is side-scrolling, right? Uh-huh. I, okay, I have strong opinions on this game if this is the game that I think it is, because there were two Rayman Legends games. Mm. Not sure about that. Right? There's Rayman Origins, and then there, this one's Rayman Legends. Okay, I am kind of confusing those two games, but regardless, I feel like they maybe probably played the same, and if that's the case, yeah, this game was pretty fun. Yeah. Um. It was a co-op platformer, but with less opportunities to fuck over the other players, like the new Super Mario Brothers games. Right. Um, the game, if if I recall correctly, again, I'm not sure which one was which, they had, like, rhythm levels, oh, where yeah. you were going through the level to, like, Black Betty and weird songs like that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, these games are actually really fun. Yeah. No, they're, they're just overflowing with charm. Uh, you know, great-looking graphics. The, you know, the platforming's fun. I'm still, to this day, a little bit mad at Ubisoft for this game. They basically kneecapped the, uh, the Wii U. Not that this was going to sell a whole lot of systems, but, like, when the Wii U was coming out, they announced this as a Wii U exclusive, and then when the Wii U kind of immediately flopped, they were like, actually, it's uh, not a Wii U exclusive. We're going to make this for other systems, too. Even though everything they had shown of this was, like, the kind of shit that could only be done on the Wii U, like you're doing platforming and someone is using the gamepad to, like, cut ropes and do things for you. It was, like, a nice-looking, obviously made-for-Wii-U game that they were then like, oh, hold on, we need to bump development back by about seven months, and it's not only on Wii U. And, it's, you know, me as a Wii-U guy sitting there like, hey, what the fuck? I wanted it, man. Like, oh. release it now, and then release a new version in seven months. Like, give me mine. I got this stupid system. Like, <laughs> you're not going to give me the game right game. now? <laughs> yeah, I remember this, because this was also when Ubisoft, like, some executive had some interview where they're like, yeah, we've got two or three completed Wii U games. We're just not going to release them because that system's not doing well. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? It really, really made me feel some negative feelings towards Ubisoft. <laughs> and I, I don't get caught up the, these days in, like, fandom type shit, but it is like, damn, that's fucked. <laughs> like, why, you know, knowing the business that was behind this, it's like, yeah, fuck you guys. <laughs> like, I, I, damn. I, uh, you know what's not going to make you money? Not releasing a game. Yeah, exactly. You know what couldn't hurt? Releasing your fully finished game for the Wii U and then several months down the road releasing it for other systems. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. But anyway, um, a perfectly fine game. And you know what? Fun fact. The last game in the Rayman series. Uh, hasn't been one since. So, uh, rest in peace. Are we counting the Mario and Rabbids games? We're not, because Rayman's not in those. Uh, he is part of the DLC for the second one. Okay. Well, apparently that really kneecaps my whole rest in peace, Rayman. We miss you every day that I was about to say. But 
still, this is the last Rayman game. There have been Rabbids games, and there has been Rayman as DLC in Mario and Rabbids. But Rayman as a series, gone. Dead. Rest in peace. Um, you know, I would like it to come back, maybe, because, again, I, I find this game very charming. You know, beautiful art, great platforming, cool musical levels, bad business by Ubisoft, you know. Fuck you guys. Do whatever you want with your series. We've got two fantastic songs from Rayman Legends and composer Christoph Harrell. We've got The Adventure Begins and we've got 20,000 Lums Under the Sea.
I like that under the sea song. It's got a, it's nice, pleasant. Yeah. Again, everything everything about this game except the business behind it, pleasant. So you know, oh well. Let's move on to a game that was for a long time an actual Wii U exclusive. Uh, maybe Ubisoft can learn a thing or two from this game and its fantastic failure to capture an audience. Actually, shit, you know, maybe the Wii U was the problem the whole time. Um, David, big-time game for the big-time system, the Wii U. The wonderful 101 is also out this month. <laughs> oh, that, that <laughs> is a game that came out. It sure did. God. Um, what a, did, you, did you get it? Did you play it? I, I got it. I played it. Uh, because this is, if I'm not mistaken, this is a platinum game, right? It is. And I'm a fan of that studio. Um, and I was, I was very much excited for this game. And I got through two, <laughs> three missions because, like, yeah. the levels were called missions. Um, and this game did not do it for me. Nope. And I was very sad about that because. <laughs> It's a platinum game. It's like over the top super heroics. Like this seemed right up my alley, yep. and it just wasn't. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, there, there's this thing that makes a game fun. Uh, it's called gameplay, and this did not have fun gameplay. It's very creative and clever and fun. You know, controlling a bunch of superheroes like they're Pikmin and combining them into giant shapes to fight giant monsters and bad guys. Very fun. Very cool. But man. Somehow in execution, this game just was not fun to play. I did not enjoy it. <laughs> like, got through a couple, I, like I you think, said, a couple of I missions, think, I'm like, nah, cut. <laughs> I think that's the key. This game had style to spare. This game was had a unique concept. This game was very fun. It was just executed very poorly. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's something to do with that bizarre controller that was necessary to play it. You know, again, like, you know, I had the Wii U. I tried to justify loving it, but man, it was hard uh, to play games on. It was just not not great. But yeah, what a uh, what a game, a Wii U exclusive that I think then years later they had to kickstart a port to new systems for like a remastered version. But it's out there now on Switch and I think other systems. So Wonderful 101 continues to exist. And thank goodness for that, because again, fantastic soundtrack in the game. Game's got, you know. A lot of charm, a lot of character. I hope it's found its audience. But let's just hear two songs. Hmm? Go for it, David. No, I was going to say, if I'm not mistaken, the game also featured, again, reasons why I should love this game. It featured, like, unlockable platinum characters. Like, I'm pretty sure you could get, like, a Bayonetta hero and... Hmm. Like one or two other platinum characters as heroes, like that sounds super cool. I just yeah. could not get into this. Right, I was gonna say, yeah, you couldn't get far enough in the game to find out if that even happens. So, unconfirmed platinum characters aside, let's hear two fantastic songs from uh, the wonderful 101 and composers Hiroshi Yamaguchi and Masato Koda. We've got Roll Out Wonderful 100. Uh, Battle in the Blossom City. And we've got 10,000 meters under the sea. We just had 20,000 lums under the sea, so how about we do 10,000 meters under the sea of the wonderful 101. <laughs> Thank you. 
All right, David, I'm putting you on the spot. Which Undersea song did you like more, Rayman's or Wonderful 101's? Uh, I'm going to say Wonderful 101's. It's got, yeah, I mean, both soundtracks quite good, but yeah, I think I give the give the point to the Wonderful 101. So that's uh, there it is, the point for the Wonderful 101. One of very few points uh, in favor of that game. So, guys, I told you it was a short segment. It's time for the end of the show. Time for a big game to finish us off. Uh, I'd say maybe the biggest game that we've ever featured on the show. Um, at least by dollars and cents, probably. Um, man, can you believe it's been 10 years and they're still making uh, people play Grand Theft Auto V? It's, uh, <laughs> it's a game that continues to be played to this day. You know, the online just won't stop. And, uh, you know, game came out 10 years ago. It's been on every system besides the Nintendo ones. They've, you know, it's been on PlayStation 3, 4, and 5. They just keep making Grand Theft Auto 5. Uh, going to go to Johnny on this one. Johnny, did you ever uh, jump into the new Los Santos? No, I... St- I, I, I At no point? <laughs> I, I, no, and I think I actually have it, like, in my Steam library or whatever, yeah. but, like... Everybody I does. Had some, <laughs> I had some problem with, like, um... I don't know. There's some kind of like Rockstar Club thing I was supposed to install or join or something. I was like, uh, I don't, I'm not. I'm not fucking with this. Like, yeah, I understand. Yeah, they wanted this, me to download an app at one point to like get notifications. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. You know, that's dumb. I'm just gonna play the game. Uh, David, you still uh, not much of a Grand Theft Auto guy, are you? You know, you say that. I but do. <laughs> I was huge into Grand Theft Auto on the PS2 era, and then not at all beyond that. Right. So, to answer your question, no. Yeah. Man, yeah, it's, it, honestly, uh, single player is still very worth playing. Very fun game. The online stuff, take it or leave it. Online is just a mess of, you know, it's Grand Theft Auto Online. People fucking, you know, killing each other and flying around and fucking, you know, fighter jets and you know, gambling with real world money at this point. It's become its own fucking thing. It's made the company billions. It's why they don't make other games anymore. But single player Grand Theft Auto Five still pretty fun. You know, the, the world they created, very fun to explore. Uh, the stories are, are fine. You get to play as the three different guys. You know, you got Michael, the retired criminal, and you got Franklin, the young, you know, thug guy looking to make some money and make a name for himself. And then, of course, you got the embodiment of the Grand Theft Auto series, Trevor Phillips. Um, just what a fun character. Like, you know, like, it's always funny playing these games as, like, you know, the either like the silent protagonist from like Grand Theft Auto 3, where you're just like, why is this guy going around just beating everybody with baseball bats and not actually talking to anybody? Uh, you know, or it's like the character where it's like, yeah, he's gotten pulled into like some mob shit and he's got to fight his way out. Trevor Phillips is like just a deranged drug addict, ex-military guy who his character is like, yeah, he can just go off on, you know, for any reason and also get involved in like crazy high stakes crime shit. Yeah, good. That's exactly who you should be playing Grand Theft Auto as. <laughs> like, he has weird military flashbacks, and that's what causes you to go into rampages during the game. Uh, you know, the best thing in the whole game, there's, uh, you know, I need to go back and play it. There was a rampage where you're just killing nothing but hipsters. Um, like, you run into, like, a guy at a coffee shop and bump into him, and it just sets Trevor off. And then, like, just nothing but, like, guys in, like, beanies start rolling up on, like, fixed gear bikes, and you just have to kill every one of them. <laughs> that is the most 2013 thing ever. It's very 2013, and it was very amusing. Um, but, yeah, uh, there is, I guess, like, a questionable, even at the time, questionable, like, torture scene in this game, also involving Trevor. They really took it to, uh... They took it to the extreme in this game. It's uh, 
it's a wild fucking game. But yeah, pretty uh, pretty fun. I uh, I I hope they make another one that's just an offline like single player game at some point. I don't want to play Grand Theft Auto online anymore, but I do like Grand Theft Auto games. You know, I would like to uh, I would like to play another one of these at some point. So maybe one day, maybe on the PlayStation Six or Seven. I mean, I know that Grand Theft Auto Six technically exists. They leaked a bunch of it, but who knows what that means when it's actually coming? So. Uh, let's finish off with a big time bonus block of Grand Theft Auto V tunes. Just a dynamite soundtrack that I'm really, I'm just going to feature stuff from the couple of stations I listen to the most because it's just too much of a soundtrack. There's, you know, there's the rap stations, the rock stations, you know, all the, all the usual stuff. They got something like 20 fucking radio stations in this game, but I really enjoyed Radio Mirror Park, which is like the weird indie station and also Fly Low FM, which is like the kind of, uh, electronic kind of, you know, house music station. You got some Aphex Twin and shit on that station. Uh, you know, really, uh, really cool stations to drive around and really just good music that I've, you know, I still listen to it, man. I've, you know, I'll bump this in the car anytime, man. It's on playlists that I still listen to. Just like people still play this game, I still listen to some of these tunes. So, guys, Johnny, David, thanks for being here. It's been a great episode of Game That Tune, Gems, and uh, we're going to send everybody home. Uh... Uh, actually, oh, yeah. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to Game That Tune Gems. Uh, you know, support us on Patreon. Uh, we appreciate you guys being there. Uh, you know, let us know if there's anything we overlooked. Uh, you know, uh, keep supporting us on Patreon because I think Jesse needs a new computer. So that's going to do it for the show. Let's hear five songs from Grand Theft Auto Five. That's right, it's Grand Theft Auto Five. Five songs. It makes sense. We've got Welcome to Los Santos, uh, the theme of Grand Theft Auto Five. We've got Change of Coast by Neon Indian. We've got Stonecutters by Flying Lotus. Nowhere to Go by Night Jewel and High Pressure Dave. Nothing to do with David Fleming. Uh, by Health. Closing us out. So uh, enjoy some Grand Theft Auto tunes, and we love you guys. And we'll see you on the next episode of Game That Tune Gems. Peace out, everybody.